0: This is Art House Roadshow, a podcast on film, faith, and mental health with your hosts Kyle Myers and Hank Spaulding.
1: by my co-host superior intellectual jousting partner <laughs> and dear friend kyle myers uh to talk to us today about some movies how are you doing today kyle
0: i'm doing pretty good man doing pretty good very excited about our uh holiday christmas
1: break coming up here yeah feeling energized yeah is your uh, family all going to be together are you guys traveling somewhere
0: uh we are not traveling okay
1: and yes we will all be together Okay, so your son's coming back, and that's going to be fun? Yeah, that's right. First semester of college under his belt now? Yeah,
0: yes. Uh, That's gone very well. And um, as we said before, he's in Nashville and uh, has walking distance to the Belcourt Theater Mm. there, which is uh, somewhat similar to the Gateway Theater in Columbus. So he spent many uh, an evening going to see a movie and then uh, might call me on the way home to chat. He did last night about the Fablemans, the New Spielberg movie. So. Uh, So, yeah, so we're still staying connected, but he's got a good uh, group of kids. Uh, You know, his age, he's connected with freshmen there. And, yeah, it's just going uh, really well. We feel really uh, blessed and grateful. Um, Yeah. Things are going well. He hasn't picked a
1: major yet, but we'll see what happens. That's okay. Yep. He's, he's, uh, what is he, uh, 1918? He's 18. Yeah, Yeah, he just turned 19. Doesn't have to have his life figured out just yet. Nope. That's cool. Well, th- so what's the well? What's the the judgment then on the Fableman? Or what are we f- feeling about that? Yeah, one? yeah. Uh,
0: well, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, he is into it okay. uh, intensely, okay. and really enjoyed and thought uh, Spielberg did a good job of qualifying, you know, his own story and in, cinem- in cinematic terms, and so he's highly
1: recommending it. That's oh okay. All right. So you gotta you gotta recommend here on the Fableman as you're heading into your holiday season. Uh, and head into that movie theater, maybe give it a watch. That's right. Well, uh, th- speaking of watching stuff, uh, we are heading into the holiday season, which has a very specific set of uh, classic holiday films, such as uh, It's a Wonderful Life, um, you know, obviously uh, on the more kind of, um, I think, meaningful side. But then everything from, you know, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation to uh, um the Jingle All the Way with Arnold Schwarzenegger. There's all different kinds of films. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what are we watching? Um, I'll go first today. Um, I The one mo- one Christmas movie I've watched recently, I try and watch every year because I just think it's hilarious, hel- hilariously out there. It's called Fat Man. And if you just watch the trailer, it's easy to fall in love with this film uh, because Mel Gibson plays a very disenfranchised, very uh, disillusioned uh, Santa Claus who's trying to scrape together enough money to <laughs> – Pay for Christmas, and an unhinged Mel Gibson movie is one of the best kinds. Yeah, right of on Mel Gibson movies, absolutely. And so the storyline of this film is basically: uh, there's a kid who uh, comes from wealth, who's you know uh, very disconnected from his father, classic trope, and gets cold for Christmas due to his uh, bad behavior. Hires a um, a quote unquote assassin to kill santa claus who's played by uh, santa claus who's played by uh, mel gibson Mm -hmm. Um, and it's fantastic there's not (laughs) a ton of violence like you know there's violent night right out now with uh, david harbour i don't think it's that kind of level of violence but the kind of realism they bring to santa claus christmas the north pole and kind of the struggles that he must have as a kind of immortal being for lack of a better term i think is fantastic and hilarious if you go into it like just knowing that it is preposterous, like, on the front end, I think it's a really enjoyable yeah. film. And so that's that's something I've watched recently. Highly recommend. <laughs> um, on the non-Christmas side, one movie that I've watched recently that is still in theaters right now is The Menu, uh, which mm. is a very interesting film. Um, I've read a few interesting reviews of that, yeah. Yeah, I'm still deciding where I'm at. I think it's largely, like, a metaphor for a critique of film mm. underscored by a critique of, like, the food industry. hmm um, Interesting. Because in the same, in a sense, it's this disillusioned um, chef who's lost his love for, um, for cooking, uh, in in essence, kind of punishing the people that have ruined like cooking for him, mm. uh, in a certain sense. And like the ways, like that he thinks about like the the love that should be poured into cooking and that that kind of thing, very much resonates with the filmmaking in that sense. Um, Interesting. It's yeah. a, I think it's a fascinating film if you look at it from that perspective. A, another film much like Fat Man, which is just like it is it is meant to be a, a horror film, but it is also just like the it's just off the wall. <laughs> so there's some humor in it too. Yep. Uh but anyway, that's interesting. What are you watching right now, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. No, I just had a few thoughts going on there. One, yeah, with the
0: with the menu, it's interesting um to think about the parallel and mm-hmm. something I was gonna mention anyways, but every ten years the British Film Institute Uh, Mm -hmm. does a poll for the 100 greatest movies ever made. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Um, yeah. And it comes through Sight and Sound magazine, which is their publication, which Mm -hmm. has been happening since 1952, which started with, like, 50 critics. Mm -hmm. um, And now is, like, you know, um, almost 2,000. Oh, wow. uh, Not just critics, but, you know, programmers and curators and, you know, everybody involved in in the business or museums or whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. and kind of fascinating so fascinating history and and citizen kane has been atop top of the list uh for a majority of those since 62 through 2002. 2012 was taken over by vertigo hitchcock mm. which was kind mm-hmm. of an interesting vertigo had been creeping up the, the list um over over the decades um and this list was uh not altogether different by any means but i anticipated mm-hmm. one um so many more people invited in and to the change of culture, uh, surrounding movies, uh, and, and many of the awards, the movies that have been awarded as we've talked about Joker and others, again, not being very much fun. And, and to the point of the menu movie suddenly it seems like we've lost the love of movies and we just want to talk about politics, right? Um, or make movies about politics or what political, um, political metaphors so uh, so yeah the fun taking the fun out of the movies um, altogether feels like this list um, certainly incorporated um, a host of new directors um, the of the non-white male sort mm-hmm. uh, coming coming through which has been dominated by um, primarily because of Europe um, right, yeah. and and Hollywood here in America but also has had you know a, a Japanese representation but now uh, has a broader, more diverse mix, which is good uh, in its own right, uh, for, for certain. But uh, one movie from uh, 2018, Portrait of a Lady on Fire, uh, who's a French female director, who I really like the director, but I have not seen that film. But it jumped to, like, spot number 30. Um, and, and then the number one change to uh, Chant- Chantelle Ackerman, who is a um, Belgian director, I believe. Uh, definitely European from the 70s um, and her film Je- uh, Jean Dielman uh, three and a half hour meditation on basically a woman in the kitchen um, it's quite fascinating and it's uh, slow pace or whatever and it's a movie I've seen and, and that I like but anyways it's at number one mm-hmm. um, and it's ending, uh, not that the ending of Vertigo, I mean it's another uh, movie to look at in terms of um, the meaning of the ending, uh, but also Shant- or, um, Jean dealman is very dark mm-hmm. uh, ending, and uh, the maybe least fun movie you could have chosen <laughs> to be at the top of the list. But this is a pr- very pretentious list, anyways, um, yeah. and it's one just to dig into, you know, the hardcore art house history mm-hmm. of movies and innovations and and that kind of stuff. Yeah. But anyways, um and I'm saying all that because I'll come back to that with the the female director we're exploring today uh, right, and yeah. why I like her so much um, but anyways uh, so really interesting in, in regards to uh, where all that's gone what's going on with that and I enjoy following that stuff and you know um, retweeting stuff on Twitter about it has been kind of fun for me this past week
1: yeah I've seen that uh, yeah. you should check that out if you're interested in this kind of um, uh, this kind of like New list that's growing, and uh, you know, it's one of the elements I think that I, I mentioned to Kyle before we started here is that, like, if you watch some of the films that we have talked about here on the podcast, uh, so for example, like Joker, or even uh, everything, uh, Everywhere All at Once, you know, that um, contrasted with some of the films that we deeply appreciate, like the one we're talking about today, Lady, Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. Um, it does illustrate a difference because I think that you know, one of the criticisms you could get is like, well these realities out there need to be talked about and we're not denying that I think the issue is is that like how we talk about them matters just as much as talking about Mm -hmm. them and the kind of humanity that we're able to like are we actually putting salve on a wound or are we actually irritating the wound so it festers and and, you know gets infected Um, and I think that's a challenge especially with the films that we're starting to push more and more heavily Mm -hmm. as these lists are changing and things of that nature um it doesn't mean that there's not changes that need to be made in the um quote-unquote inner circle of of filmmaking but we also need to consider like traditions that are not our own also um that i think is really big Mm -hmm. but yeah this is that i've been following that too not knowing a thing obviously Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) if anything it real makes me realize like man i need to watch some more films (laughs) yeah no right on yeah yeah
0: yeah in a way it's a great starter list and and obviously especially what it pulls from uh, the earliest from silent cinema. Mm-hmm. Uh, those films are particularly, you know, innovative, not just great movies, but highly innovative mm-hmm. and, insp- and inspiration for all of cinema. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and again, there's there's a reaction to it. The, there, there's an overreaction to it, certainly, and it, it being more diverse um, mm-hmm. in that it's still primarily the same list um, with, you know, 15 or 20 mm-hmm. different uh, substantial changes uh, but, you mm-hmm. know, Vertigo is number two, and System Kane is number three, and ranking is kind of ridiculous in the first place. Mm-hmm. Um, but it gives us, you know, the ability to, you know, uh, one, just enjoy the argument and the, the process with it. And it is it does reflect uh, culture in its own mm-hmm. way, you know, each decade, which I think is interesting.
1: Yeah. And for you, I know that it's not it's some of those on that list I think you deeply appreciate. I think I remember seeing that the passion of Joan of Arc is on there. Yeah, um, and that's that's something that I think if you were to construct your own top five movies of all time, I think that would be in there. Absolutely. Um, and so, the, I think the, the thing that's interesting about that is to say like, okay, what is our what is our fa- like our top five favorite movies? And you don't even have to be like a film critic or even you know somebody who's got like high end tastes um, to do this. But what is what are your five favorite movies of all time, or I think the five best movies you've ever seen? What does that say about you? Mm-hmm. I think it's an exercise of introspection too, um, and you know I, I've got a lot of friends who are on Letterbox like like Kyle is, and you know eventually I think I'll finally just have to bite the bullet and get on Letterbox myself. Mm-hmm. Um, who have their top like like five movies and things like that. And I think it does speak volumes to, to who they are as people um, and not in a bad way. I don't think necessarily any of it's bad, but it shows like what is most important to them. You know, I mean, a movie that I've liked for years, like Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Mississippi. Um, that is an interesting for, for me um, film because it, you know, it's a, it's a, it tells a story about grief loss and the changing of subjectivities. But it's not necessarily everything I value. Um, sure. I really love It's a Wonderful Life and that's that. I mean this is all part of like this I think the trajectory of where we're seeing film go to is a, kind of an honoring of, of the worst in a lot of cases of mm-hmm. us. And, and, the, and the whole goal is that is just to examine that like they can be cathartic but catharsis for its own sake can sometimes be um, unhealthy <laughs> so yeah if it were even that you know I'd be
0: that would be more interesting than mm-hmm. just the uh, preachiness of it of like we need you know to make movies to teach people you know certain lessons and to change their way of thinking and it's just a very condescending approach Mm -hmm. um and not letting you know there are things um that you don't need you don't need to to tell me that like I can see it and I can engage with it Mm -hmm. and you can trust you know me and my intelligence to you know uh deal with it or I won't be there right yeah um, and so the people who are showing up, you're usually preaching to the choir anyways. Right. Um, it's not going to transcend into the culture you're trying to correct, uh, so to speak, on either side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the right or the, the Christian conservative side also has its own version of uh, filmmaking and their own studios trying to produce works that will be a Christi- appreciated more specifically by a conservative Christian. mm mm-hmm. um, person and that don't you know aren't going to transcend they're not going to convert uh, anybody who's not within the framework mm-hmm. um, you know themselves and so both sides have their version of that mm-hmm. um, it's just on the left side they tend to be much more elitist in Hollywood at the moment um, and so it's all yeah very interesting in like you know where where is the middle and where do we again looking at how we tell stories and how um, the impact of the Christian theological narrative, right. um, you know, uh, comes in, and it doesn't need to be preached. Yeah, um, you can just see it, and that's the thing that inspires us.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's the powerful thing about. It. I mean, the and it's that's we talk about art, right? The the fact of like film being a medium of art, um, you know, the thing that transitions from art to, um, I would say, spectacle. Um, and a spectacle is not always a, like a positive thing. I would think it's, in spectacle. It's, it's like something like a, it's a kind of like domineering narrative that must itself shape and form art is itself something that invites participation instead of demanding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that like, you know, that decision making, like, so for example, when you watch something like the Joker, it's demanding you to make a decision. <laughs> uh, sure. When you watch something like Lady Bird, you're transfixed into a different world that you were being invited to and i don't think that's it's a not, it's not a demand it's an invitation which i think is like it opens up this kind of sh- like the point you're talking about like don't shove it down my throat like take my mind seriously and let me participate in the, mm-hmm. the act of creating this art you know yeah. that you're making so yeah, yeah, yeah there is this kind of sacred space between the, the film camera and those who watch it you know that holy ground that exists between them i think can be a space of shared creat- creativity right and that's i think powerful i don't know how i got off on this tangent i'm sorry i hijacked your whole thing no 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 <laughs> you didn't
0: and but i think ladybird's a great example even though the you know faith religion component is a little more on the surface because she goes to a catholic school right um but ultimately especially because this is autobiographical um for greta gerwig the director um and literally going to that same high school in in sacramento um <laughs> But ultimately, yeah, she could uh, have an intense reaction, and there's a lot of you know very anti-evangelical movies, anti-Catholic movies uh, that exist out there. Uh, mm-hmm. But hers is very reconciled, right? I don't know that she's um, Catholic or practicing at all now, but you can see her in reflection, in telling the story, like it's a she's she's allowing for the experience, uh, and finding the value in it. You know whether or not you Mm -hmm. know she's a professing Catholic Mm -hmm. or Christian. I don't know if she is. Uh, There's a reconciled um, experience or or reconciled um, expression of the experience, Mm -hmm. uh, rather than being like super ultra pro Catholic or super anti Catholic. You know, she's just Mm -hmm. um, evaluating uh, her experience in a way that allows a lot of good stuff to come out of that. I think.
1: Yeah. That's one thing I really appreciated about the way that she chooses to depict Catholicism Mm -hmm. in her own way, is that you see the beauty of it. On the one hand, I mean, I, I get so exhausted by, all the various like interpretations or like expressions of Catholicism in these kind of shows because usually the nuns and the priests are very Mm one-dimensional. They're very harsh. They're very critical. Um, this one I felt there's a little bit more playfulness, yeah. in, in the religious figures, I mean, like I think about Sister Absolutely. Sarah Joan, mm-hmm. like who seems to be this kind of mystic figure, um, open to, you know, she's not overly harsh. I mean, you see some of those kind of nuns, I think, on the on the outside, mm-hmm. but Sarah Joan being kind of the main um, figure, like I love that conversation, and I think this is, must be that Greta um, uh, is like listening to or reading Simone Vey. Uh, love is attention. Mm. And I, I loved that scene. Uh, this idea is like love is—you know—Simone Weil talks about love as a, a kind of attention to an individual reality in order to know what kind of like justice and, and and activity and and moral actions that that individual reality requires, and that comes across there because in some sense, like that's the that's the movie. Um, mm-hmm. Like you have these characters. That at the one hand, which I, I love this, I don't, I don't know if this is intentional, but you know, this is I think a part of the participatory art that this film is. Like her mom, for example, her mom is cast very much as the villain early on, but there's that shift that happens whenever um, you know the. Uh, um, the uh i think her name's shelly the boyfriend mm-hmm. this kind of the girlfriend of mm-hmm. her brother mm-hmm. says like oh well you know i respect her because she took me in when my parents kicked oh, yeah. me out and things like that and she's kind of warm and now uh, it's interesting because you as the audience then get a new shot of the mom too like at work working with that priest who mm-hmm. very clearly is suffering from depression and mm-hmm. she's trying to very compassionately help him through that, And I, I think that's really powerful in the sense that, like, in some sense, like the camera zooms in on individual realities at different times to pay more attention to them. At the one hand, they, they do what we normally do, which is kind of pass over and just think, okay, this person's horrible. This mom's overbearing or mm-hmm. too harsh or things like that. But then they give you a more intimate picture. They pay attention to it, mm-hmm. and it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that with all of the, I think, the Catholic characters too, as well, from, you know, Sister Joan to... Uh, I, father, I think um, uh, for the, he was the one that was over the the, the play the musical.
0: Yeah, 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 the one who's depressed. Yeah, the yeah, one. I forget
1: his name too, but he's great. Yeah, he's even the coach. I don't know. I, yeah, yeah, sure. Like he's just doing his yeah. best, you yeah. know. <laughs> so and he celebrates with the kids uh-huh. and things like that. But you know, I could talk about this all day. But you know, what are your, your kind of thoughts about this? I know you have connections to Little Women too, in uh, terms of like how this uh, author or this director. Really approaches these topics.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, well, we can move back to um, Little Women in a moment because, in, in a way, I think visually, uh, well, first of all, it's just a great uh, meshing of um, Greta Gerwig and then Louisa May Alcott, you know, uh, who wrote mm-hmm. the, the book Little Women and bringing those things together. But with Lady Bird, you know, it's very much because. Um, Little Women is basically Louisa May Alcott's, you know, experience. That's her autobiographical, right. you know. Right. Um, and uh, But with Lady Bird, you're getting primarily, you know, Greta Gerwig here. Right. Um, and, uh, I mean, the things once
1: – what was your question again? Just like what's, what's kind of the overarching themes that you see here that are significant? Yeah,
0: well, so in both, but uh, re- re- specific to Lady Bird because uh, Saoirse, the actress, plays, you know, both the lead roles – and they're very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, hence Greta's, you know, I think, um, draw to them. Uh, but they're both spiritual journeys right. in a great way. Um, and so part of what's happened, and you can, uh, little, with Little Women being written in 1860 mm-hmm. and Alcott being, you know, from that time period and being a feminist mm-hmm. um, at that time, um, as women became more integrated into industrial and modernized, modernized mm-hmm. society, um, that the, the the roles shift but they they uh, end up going on you know the kind of typical hero journey we've mm-hmm. applied to men right. so many of our stories classic stories mm-hmm. um, you know women start to uh, express also and find that mm-hmm. they are uh, very in their determination um, often end up going through these rites of passage right. um, mm-hmm. where uh, you know um, they bump up against whatever and have to kind of, you know, again, guilt, grief, die, resurrect uh, process, right. right? And so not that that didn't happen for women previous to that, but that's become a very h- common human experience in the civilized world because mm-hmm. uh, determination is what, you know, we use to get ourselves from one place to the mm-hmm. next mm-hmm. and taking control. Uh, and being in control is a very, mm-hmm. you know, intense um temptation for us, right? Right. Um, And so, but it's something, again, theologically speaking, regarding um, the journey of Jesus and what we're being called to in terms of submission and giving Mm -hmm. up and letting go and all this, forgiving all the Mm -hmm. language we use that's basically um, Mm anti-control is always a challenge to Mm -hmm. this journey of determination, you know, that we Mm -hmm. find ourselves on um, taking hold of the wheel, so to speak. Anyways, um So what happens once a couple of things are revealed in the in Ladybird in the movie? Um, that her uh, initial boyfriend Danny, um, it doesn't even come out as gay, but he's found out to be gay. Right, yeah. um, which one is one of the best um, scenes where he so there she doesn't know what to do with that and there, you know, they don't see each other for a while, but then uh, he comes to find her and they talk. Uh, It's one of the most compassionate scenes of the whole decade, I would say. Um, Him uh, confessing more to her and being anxious that, you know, like he's confused, obviously, and doesn't want it out there. Um, But anyways, they have a great kind of reconciling moment there that's just powerful.
1: Yeah, it's beautiful. Um,
0: And that's followed by the priest we were talking about who's, um, you know, exploring depression and also worried, you know, that that's going to impact... Um, others and and it's something he's embarrassed about confused about as well and then the next uh and and at this time Lady bird has been on this journey where she's moved on from danny and she's very her in her own way confused and frustrated with her mom um but she ends up clinging on to uh the timothy chalamet character
1: yeah
0: um whose name is Kyle, and uh, and because she thinks he's cool and gets her in the cool crowd, and she abandons her friend Julie, which is, um, you know, devastating for Julie, and you can see, um, you know, kind of actively Lady Mm -hmm. Bird's um, resistance and her just, you know, uh, just messiness. Mm -hmm. Anyways. All that comes after they show the the crying reconciliation scene and the sick mm. priest scene. Then they have Ash Wednesday, right, right, where everybody gets ashes uh, on their forehead, and that begins Lady Bird's real downward spiral, uh, where nothing's working out. Her friend uh, finds out that she doesn't really live where she said she lived. Um, mm-hmm. Things with uh, uh, Timmy, um, Kyle, you know, goes south because you know they're she's exploring uh her sexuality with him and that's disappointing. Um she's still waiting to figure out what colleges she's getting into. Uh other things are coming out with um where she gets suspended from school, mm-hmm. which is a brutal scene. Um and about the lady speaking at the in the gym about abortion if you remember that scene. I do, yeah. Yeah. And anyways, um so all this downward spiral happens before um I mean, the biggest scene being she is going to prom with Kyle and his friends and just discovering, like, um, this is not what I want. Right. And then going to her friend Julie, who she'd abandoned and reconciling, and that's when um, she actually has access in in terms of guilt. um, She never even has access to that until Mm -hmm. she's willing to go back and very quickly, I think, moves in from guilt to grief. Uh, and exploring the pain of those things um, as we get into the last, you know, five or ten minutes of the movie, which
1: is really a beautiful piece. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think the thing that is – I mean, I, I really appreciate this in terms of how Christian it is in the sense that mm-hmm. – so I, th- I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, The uh, Lars and the Real Girl – Um, that movie is Christian the same way that like there's a church community kind of in the background Mm -hmm. for her it's her high school and there are these like I think very trustworthy religious figures that show up like Sarah Joan they don't overbear Mm -hmm. um, but they're there yeah sure Um, and I mean you talked about the scene with with lent you know with the ash wednesday mm-hmm. kind of like i love that that comes after some serious debauchery yeah <laughs> yeah for for her and just and i say that not like to be shaming but say that like this is her kind of like trying to because ladybird feels in some sense kind of constricted by sacramento she wants to go to new york she wants to go to college out there yeah she wants to experience the world in a different way um, and so in some sense, her kind of like exploring her sexuality, her changing in friends is a movement into what she thinks is significant. And how basic is that for all of our Christian journeys sure. in terms of like when it comes to sin or e- even just like the complicated factors of those things that really prevent us from progressing in our, in our, in our journeys with God is that the sense of like exploring those things that we think would give us meaning and significance and finding out that they are vain. And, that, and that's all connected to the fact that we are dust, you know. And that's why yep. that liturgy every year is so significant and so mm-hmm. important to mark us in the Christian journey to say mm-hmm. that, hey, you know, like, it's the things that you find significance in, they will ultimately pass away. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I love that. And I just, this film to me, like, and I, I told Kyle beforehand, like, I've never seen this film before. And I am so grateful that he recommended it because it is, I think it's a beautiful film. Um, with beautifully complex characters that shows the very difficult human relationships that all of us are embedded within. If you even just look at Lady Bird and her parents, I mean, her mom even just if so you go that simple, like her mom clearly had a very disruptive upbringing with abusive abusive mother, um, and that's translated into her kind of um, being very difficult at times to around Lady Bird and talking about how much of a financial burden she is and. You know, but her dad is also struggling with depression. He gets laid off at one Mm -hmm. point in the film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how complex these relationships are. You see Lady Bird at times apologizing, trying to be, um, you know, I guess more caring and compassionate, and the mom doing the same. Um, Even at the end, I think, like, her, you know, I I love the the image because it ends with uh, Lady Bird kind of reading some letters, or at least near the end, Mm. that her mother had tempted to Mm -hmm. write her. That her dad stole and gave to her anyway, gave to Lady Bird anyway. How beautifully complex is that, and how human is that? Mm-hmm. Like we just the things we wish we could say, but don't all don't often feel like we can. Yep. Um, I, I that for me was just so powerful that scene of her sitting at the table, like her daughter's about to leave to go off to college. They don't have a good relationship at this point in the movie, and she's just trying to say something, and she can't. Um, yeah, and yep. I, those fragments I think do more beauty than what would be the most eloquent, like perfectly crafted letter. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it's, mm-hmm. just, it's powerful in that yeah. sense.
0: Yeah, and it's yeah, it's just true. It's so hard to right. art- articulate those things. Yeah, it's hard to be a parent, and that's why I think, uh, and somebody else had, had already written about this that I had posted on my um, on another review of everything, everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, there's that scene where she's trying on prom dresses. Ladybird is. Um, and she and her mom were disagreeing and her mom thinks it's, you know, too pink and, and Ladybird's, you know, very extremely offended, mm-hmm. uh, with any criticism from her mom. And <clears throat> basically is just asking like, uh, upon her mom, uh, saying she just wants the best for her, her to be her best self. And then Ladybird says, what if this is my best self? Mm. And her mom, uh, just gives her, you know, the look basically <laughs> of like, no, that's not acceptable. Right. Yeah. Um, and so again, like that's, it just rings true the back and forth and, um, and you know, um, the, um, yeah, I don't know, just the, the parental, uh, struggle, um, in that to, you know, there's no real, um, Recipe or obvious method to be able to communicate all things at once. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, both the challenge and, and compassion, both the acceptance and mm-hmm. uh, pushing forward, you know, mm-hmm. or whatever. But, uh, but anyways, I like that in, in you know, uh, contrast with everything everywhere at once, which is all about, you know, you have to accept me if you don't, you know, I'm going right. to commit suicide. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of narrative they had going on with that. Um, and... Um, and coming around to the adolescent, we're here. It's a more classical approach. That's a you know everything everywhere all at once is a subversive or inverted approach, um, where the classic you know teenage movie with parents is right. by the end of the movie, you know you've you've the adolescent has come around on some level to understanding, um, you know the the messiness or harshness of their parents. Like there's some wisdom yeah. there.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I, I was going to pick up on that and ask you kind of especially towards the like the end goal of each movie because I also like the scene that brought up to me like that I parallel with everything everywhere all at once is that scene where she's asking because she actually finally does make it to New York and it doesn't, I mean, and I love this too, like the adolescent dream does not turn out to be mm-hmm. everything it's cracked up to be. Yeah. Um, and she passes this person on the street because there's a church in front mm-hmm. of her. She asks, what day is it? It's Sunday. And there's the, they, she walks in there and hears the choir mm-hmm. kind of singing this ancient hymn. And I, I contrast that with that scene where in Everything Everywhere All at Once, they stand before the, you know, the everything bagel that's nothingness. Yeah. Like that's the only end goal of everything. Yep. In a certain sense, like, <laughs> the, like all of this stuff being chopped up and just thrown into the, thrown into the meat grinder in a certain sense is the only goal of that and and in some sense like that's that's where tradition is i think helpfully recovered yeah uh, in that sense it's not the same that it was but for her the tradition looks like this kind of beauty at the end of a harsh um couple of days for her this kind of like collapsing of the dream it's kind of that anchor that holds her steady towards the end of the film absolutely to transition us into the final aspect that's that Stability, Like, even though she is exploring and doing new things, she's in a new place, that anchor remains, which I think is really powerful. But, I mean, did you see connections between that kind of, like, abandoning of tradition versus the way that Lady Bird seems to, at the end of the film, really pick up the Catholic faith as her own?
0: Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah, 100. So one other yeah. thing she does, too, is, you know, she's forced everybody to call her Lady Bird yeah. through the whole movie, which is um, funny. Um but uh, in New York, and when she calls her mom, you know, after she walks out of the church, she calls her mom, uh, but she calls herself Christine, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, which holds the name Christ in it. Right. One, yes. you know. Um, so there's that, but, you know, just again, embracing her actual name uh, and being, and after having read the letters and then, you know, uh, going to the hospital, a whole host of, you know, interesting kind of salvation oriented things happening here um you know she's able to express real gratitude mm-hmm. um in that and then um they move to uh Christine Ladybird and parallel with her mom kind of cutting back and forth of them driving over the river driving over the bridge in mm. Sacramento with the sun so again just a great way to portray like again the rites of passage the like moving from mm. uh innocence into young adulthood uh, but transformation right like the bridge is like you've, you've crossed uh, over something um, and the water there for baptism the sun the light the whole thing so it's all, it all comes together you know, beautifully uh, there at the end for both her and her mom who bo- both you know I'm sure that they will have more uh, rites of passage uh, death and resurrections to go through uh, but just a beautiful portrait of that transition happening yeah. was great
1: yeah, and it's, it's one of those, I mean, water, obviously light, uh, all the things right in there. And I, I love the, um, in a certain sense, like that was that moment of kind of, I mean, you use this word, I think, very intentionally, reconciliation. Um, because both of, like I think, Lady Bird and Christine is able to see her mom as someone who maybe the first time she saw Sacramento saw this beautiful thing, like the first time that Lady Bird saw New York you know and that's this this powerful mm-hmm. kind of connection intimacy in a certain sense that binds it but i mean i love so much of of what's going on here and even just in the last like 10 minutes of the film it's just so powerful to me um and just the continued christian kind of like positive message throughout yeah this film and like it's not in your face it's an invitation it's, it's there as beauty, and I think that's one of the things that's really important, and, and in some sense can be lost in, in our contemporary context, the necessity for Christian artists, like true artists, not just um, people who are um, trying yeah. to uh, indoctrinate, right? Um, but rather invite. And I think that's one of the more powerful elements of the Christian faith is that it has this ability to invite people into this orbit. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well. Um, so the when right before she leaves for New York is mm-hmm. when they go. Uh, she and Julie uh, go to see their friend, her friend Danny in mm-hmm. the Shakespeare play they're doing, Tempest. Right. Um, and so basically, uh, as a you know, um, portal to this last uh, last part of the movie, uh, their friend Danny, who's playing Prospero, uh, they should show this short ver- uh Portion of his speech, which says, "Now I want spirits to enforce, art to enchant, and my ending is despair, unless I be be relieved by prayer, which pierces so that it assaults mercy itself and frees all faults. And <clears throat> as you from crimes would pardon be, let your indulgence set me free." Mm. Um, so obviously, you know, connecting Shakespeare, connecting what is essentially. Uh, indulgence um being grace uh and then opening up that whole ending sequence mm-hmm. we just explained it's pretty pretty master masterful storytelling interweaving yeah um visually uh and with you know some some foundational text there mm-hmm. as well
1: yeah No, i get it i get it and i think one of the things that's really cool about i mean i when i say i get it it's just like it, that is Mm, that's powerful yeah I don't understand it that's not what I'm saying but I I, I can understand what you're saying and it's just this I wish that I could possess that because it's this this idea of this like ability to tell a masterful story is in a sense what the the Christian calendar should do it um, uh, somebody an Episcopal priest friend of mine said it to me like this once and I think it's really powerful we think of like the rhythms that are like articulated within for example the book of common prayer which are very important to the Anglican Episcopal um, tradition like there are certain timelines within there there's the church year there's the, the birth like death uh, marriage kind of cycle there's all these different rhythms that themselves are supposed to insert themselves onto the rhythms that we've experienced in our daily lives and in some sense that's what it felt like the, uh, the Christian part was intruding like right in the middle of everything there was the Lentenal service you know that worship service at the end that inserts itself kind of but we're in the season of Advent and in some sense, like I know this is probably more of a Lent film. We've talked about that. Obviously, they have Ash Wednesday right here mm-hmm. in the middle of it. But um, Advent, I think, is also a very compelling alternative because there's this idea of this darkness seeing light that is so huge. Um, and in some sense, the the, the language that I use with, with Advent oftentimes, especially when I preach, is this idea of expectation. Um, I think there's a lot of great hope in Lady Bird. Um, mm-hmm. Not only just in her, like she hopes for something you know which turns out to not be everything that's cracked up to be but there's still a new hopefulness on the horizon that's expressed in this gratitude yeah this moment of gratitude but i mean if you think about all the other characters too like even like with danny with julie with her dad right there's that there's this beautiful scene i i don't know why it it just stuck out to me i don't have kids and maybe it you can speak into this as as a father Mm -hmm, yourself mm -hmm but you know the the main character her father he um he gets laid off pretty early in the film and he's trying to find a new place to work and he goes in for an interview only to find out that his son is also mm-hmm. going for that same interview mm-hmm. and he spends the time doing the dad thing where he um like straightens his suit and you know fixes his tie and tells him where he needs to go mm-hmm. and, and do all that stuff and there's this beautiful kind of in a sense like you know the dad really needs the job mm-hmm. for the sake of the family um but he isn't, has not abandoned that sense of you know, responsibility to and care for his son. Mm-hmm. And I think that's such a beautiful scene. Like that character I really like. Because mm-hmm. uh, he expresses, you know, uh, like there's a lot of people that in movies ex- are express kind of mental health, right? You know, those who struggle with mental health, yeah. I think, in unhelpful ways. But I think he, like, shows the kind of ways in which mental health, like people who struggle with it, can be some of the most caring and compassionate people that you will ever meet. Um, Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the, again, one of the more powerful things. Like, he's so supportive of Lady Bird. Um, He loves his wife. He loves his children. uh, And he's just very kind. um, Mm -hmm. And And considerate, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I just, I love that picture of mental health. The same with that father who himself, like, he's... He's a uh, he's one of the first people that willingly assed, that we see that willingly assents to calling Christine Ladybird mm-hmm. in the audition, you know, and and he's uh, he just seems very kind and considerate. Same with Sarah Joan. These these uh, these figures, even I mean, I, I don't know if Sarah Jones struggles with mental health. They don't really get into that in the film, but this father and you know Ladybird's dad do the express like do express kind of this side of mental health that I don't think people recognize. <laughs> Some of the more kind compassionate caring considerate people themselves have the deepest struggles I think that's really powerful in the film as well yeah absolutely and again darkness and light Mm -hmm. that's the theme of advent and hope like you know we talked about this last time with uh, our kind of tribute to JDF like this idea of like during advent like having this sense of hope Um, and that's one of the guiding lights through this film is that there's something that each character has in a sense to hope for something there to hope for even in like the idea of like mr bruno the fig- the figure of uh, the math teacher has his wife is pregnant mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so there's just this this idea of like there's this hopefulness in all the characters that is just sprinkled around them yep i think in a very beautiful way and again masterful storytelling masterful storytelling
0: yeah i agree and interestingly yeah where lady bird leans into lint i think um in in its own way and quite obviously Little Women mm-hmm. uh, embraces they, they, that mm. that's the Christmas adjacent mm-hmm. Christmas adjacent movie, uh, where they have a very significant Christmas uh, right. scene yeah. um, in the in the book and in, in the adaptation as well. Um, and again, uh, not altogether different journey um, that Searsha plays with Joe, the the Louisa May Alcott right. uh, character who's trying to be a writer and the old is the oldest child, very determined. Very determined to not uh, get married and to to do these things. Uh, Very determined to be in control. And one of the uh, we we obviously don't have to go super in depth with this movie, but the things that I love about it. One is it has a very Christian uh, context in terms of just the language they use. Mm -hmm. Uh, The mother is constantly trying to teach them. Yeah, um, using scripture, uh, promoting forgiveness, mm-hmm. uh, the language of sin and, and wisdom is certainly present. Um, but where you really get Joe um, uh, caught in and it becomes obvious uh, her own personal barriers is when her youngest sister, who is really you know the the they love each other, uh, but in so many ways the complete opposite of mm-hmm. Joe. She's very quiet. She's very meek. Um, and she's very reconciled and reconciling, mm-hmm. uh, very loving, um, and doesn't, you know require much. Mm-hmm. And so all those things are very opposite of Joe's kind of anxious, you know, energy, what she's looking for, what she's mm-hmm. trying to find. Anyways, when uh, one of the best scenes, uh, probably getting into the end of the second act towards the third, Mm -hmm. It's obviously when Beth, the youngest sister, is dying, Mm -hmm. um, and they're on the beach, which Mm -hmm. is a really well-filmed scene. There's a number of scenes on the beach, but this one's just the two, Joe and Beth, Mm -hmm. together. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And at different times, one, her head is on the other's lap, and they kind of switch. Mm -hmm. But anyways, the sister, Beth, just makes the – she's very reconciled to Mm -hmm. her death. Um, and says, you know, it's just like the tide going out. Like mm-hmm. this is just part of life. Mm-hmm. But Joe says uh, that she'll stop the tide. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later, when Beth, Beth is actually in bed dying, mm-hmm. she's um, saying like, it's okay. Like mm-hmm. it's God's will. It's okay. Uh, and Joe says, quote, um, God hasn't met my will. <laughs> and Joe's will be done. Um And so, you know, she's just so the death of Beth, you know, uh, who is this, you know, uh, represents mm-hmm. this other part, you know, of that's hidden for for mm-hmm. Joe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something for Joe needs to die. Right. Um, in order for her to to be more reconciled and for her to be open to um the will of god or the will of anything else other than herself and again this is a classic mm-hmm. spiritual journey um and the same thing you're going to find in lord of the rings for example which i just also yeah i didn't get to uh, cause we didn't come back to that but i watched two towers over the weekend oh yeah like all right. weekend cuz that movie never ends it doesn't yeah um but it's also about you know one of the things they talk about too, in Little Women, it's just, you know, one of the quotes is, I can't believe childhood is over. Um, and so, again, it's this kind of coming of age, just growing up, this mm-hmm. rites of passage when that mm-hmm. still existed uh, on purpose. Like, mm-hmm. you are an adolescent, but all the time you're learning to be an adult. Right. You know, your whole childhood, adolescence, is about learning to become mm-hmm. an adult one way or another. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, them living that out and wrestling with that, is you know really, yeah. Well, you know, articulated and written partly again because that was you know Louisa May Alcott's you know own experience. She's articulating, um, <clears throat> but it has does have its own ashes yeah. um, again as uh, Joe comes to let go one mm-hmm. of her uh, what she anticipates with mm-hmm. another Timmy Chalamet character whose name is Laurie in this mm-hmm. book mm-hmm. Um, that she's already rejected his love. Mm -hmm. in a very autumnal sequence, again, coming into her own death, Um, and has now opened herself back up to that uh, because she's confessed Mm -hmm. uh, to her loneliness, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Confessed to her need to be loved, but, you know, Mm -hmm. she doesn't. Her mom challenges her, like, being loved and being loving are two different things. Yes. Um, So Joe confesses to that and then confesses to... Her own loneliness, yeah. right, in this whole process. So she starts to open herself back up, mm-hmm. um, but then finds things have changed. Um, <clears throat> and Laurie is with uh, one of her sister, Beth, or her sister, Amy. Sorry.
1: Yeah, played by Florence Pugh.
0: Yeah, that's right. Um, and and that's this whole other, you know, little journey. But anyways, so once she had written a letter uh, to him that now upon finding about him and Amy has torn up on a bridge putting in the water. So you've got the bridge and water there again. That's right, yeah. And then uh, the next thing is her burning up uh, other writings of hers uh, in the fire. Right. So mm-hmm. Ash is there. It's been foreshadowed earlier by Beth uh, burning up some of her writings, uh, but in burning up the writings, uh, is when the story Little Women actually starts to be written. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and the biggest difference, as I understand it, because I haven't seen all the adaptations, or like four adaptations of right, right. movie or book. Um, but, you know, they kind of integrate Joe more directly as Louisa May Alcott uh, in terms of she's writing Little... Joe's writing Little Women, and mm-hmm. she's at the publisher and kind of negotiating her copyright. And they walk it back a little bit because it... Um, While they're showing uh, her and her film critic or her um, uh, literary critic, you know, guy, professor she connected with in New York, who has kind of come to find her, um, who she ultimately ends up with in the book. Mm -hmm. But in the movie, they kind of make it out to be like, well, we have to write, we have to finish the book this way. You Mm -hmm. know, the character of Joe cannot be not married, you know, nobody's going to read that. Um, and so they, you know, they change it, um, and somewhat they're, you know, cynically um, do that, which I think is weird. In um, particular, because you know, it's like, well, if we're going to make Little Women in twenty seven or 2019, it has to be, you know, a, like on on the surface feminist. It can't just be feminist on its own way, because it already right, is. Yeah. But anyways. Um, yeah, so, somehow
1: that like empowerment can't also include marriage and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and so it was just yeah a weird insertion in there that actually took away from the power of the ending, which is her. Um, and I forget that dude's name. It I don't Friedrich. Know how it yeah, Friedrich. The you bear know. Or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> but they're you know in the rain, and again there's water, and there's, like you know transformation. Um, and then it does actually end with everybody being together, having their, all their kids are together and they've grown up and they're at the school she started. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a beautiful ending, like, you know, there's all this birth and new life, you know, Mm -hmm. going on. Um, and (coughs) according to my son, who's read the book and watched a couple of different adaptations, he says the book is even fuller of, you know, God's grace in different parts. And the ending is very explicit that being reconciled to, their way of life, it's very important to them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, All that to say, you know, reading up on Louisa May Alcott, you know, who did not, you know, get married and and continued to use her life uh, as a, you know, um, uh, in terms of feminism and social justice and those issues in the uh, Mm mid-1800s in its own way is obviously very powerful. Yeah. um, And illuminates, you know, uh, her writing. Mm -hmm. um, And, yeah, so – yeah that was all fascinating.
1: Absolutely. And I think the the element of that that final scene there like where they they're all there together kind of almost like in the last supper scene um, mm-hmm. is this beautiful kind of honoring of what has gone before and what is heading, you know, into the future because you do have the kids there but you have the I mean, also brilliant cast for Little Women. Like, oh man, yeah. I just, I don't know. Like I always, I was, I remember watching the trailers for that film and being like, "This, this, this is some amazing." I mean, Bob Odenkirk is in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but on top of that, I mean, only Bob Odenkirk could be Joe's dad. Though, yeah, for sure. To be fair, I mean, Emma Watson is in it. Yeah. I mean, this is incredible. Um, Laura yep. Dern, obviously, Timothy Chalamet, Tracy Letts, who was in, uh, played uh, Lady Bird's dad is in it. Yep. in This film. Um, and so I mean, there's, there's, it's such a beautifully told story, and I, I love how the way that you like you pull out those themes of birth to death to life, uh, all of those things. Again, the movement from guilt to grief mm-hmm. to healing um, is this kind of this central movement of where where art should take us as as people. Um, but that's I think that's really powerful.
0: Yeah, no, it's great. And the actress who played Beth, the sister who who gets sick and dies, I didn't know who she was, but she was. Yeah, I think maybe my favorite actress. Yeah, um, just her subtlety um, mm-hmm. and the things she draws to her, mm-hmm. uh, including Laurie's dad. You know, their neighbor who's very wealthy and mm-hmm. whose daughter has passed away, and he gives her the piano and all that. I just loved all that yeah. section of the the story.
1: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things to treat like illness. And I, again, this is I think a credit to. Uh, the director that treating illness not as something that's like a site for pity or even just for, you know, caricature. It's yep. a, it's a source for hope and life, you know, that encourages the very best in us too. Um, it's powerful. Yeah. Powerful in that way. And again, that's, I mean, that's all of what Advent is about in its sense. I mean, you've got these two very, <laughs> um, I think would be very stigmatized figures even in today's world of the the kind of the the holy couple between Mary and Joseph Um, and just the insecurity of of childbirth that comes out of that heading towards an unknown destination in order to bring this life into the world. And again, I think that's uh, just a powerful analogy between these two films and what like hope is not, you know, this uh, always this very like uh, confident thing. Sometimes it's very insecure. Yeah, for sure. But I think that's the. I mean, I think that's the scriptural kind of theme of why hope is such a powerful thing. It's not supposed to be that, or else it ceases to be hope, in a very real way. Well, hope is vulnerable, right? right.
0: And we talk about the reason you know I'm so harsh on cynicism and especially nihilism, but ultimately they're self-protective, right? Right. There's no vulnerability in cynicism, mm-hmm. um, and it's too easy to, to fall into. Where obviously hope, um, especially hope that is you know uh, mysterious or unknown is very subversive, very vulnerable to be open to that mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and to move in that direction, right? Absolutely. Um, and hope is a movement where cynicism is really stagnant. Yeah. So I think that that, and looking for that in storytelling um, obviously matters in, in not just in what we're reading or watching, but the stories we tell ourselves, that if we're stuck in cynicism or we're stuck in self-pity, you know, we're not moving right um and and unfortunately right um the hardest thing for us to do sometimes is be vulnerable and have hope and move forward and try again and you know uh let go whatever mm-hmm. all those things are but that's what's um, that's what moves us or, yeah. or or holds us back
1: yeah and i think that's the i mean i think that's a great place to kind of just like see these films from like uh, finally seeing the light um is itself like it's not always what it what we thought would be I mean that's the advent story too but it is more um, foundational and transformative than we could have predicted for ourselves mm-hmm. and that's I think a great advent message well um, as we're kind of wrapping up here any final thoughts on these films? I don't think so man I think that, that wraps it up yeah, that's great well I hope you enjoyed the review we hope that you'll go see Lady Bird if you haven't it's a beautiful film or Little Women both of these are excellent excellent films so check them out if you want to support the podcast the uh, best way to do so is leave a review wherever you listen to us helps other people find us and it's really just an easy um, cheap way to help us uh, promote the podcast. And so we will be back here sometime in the next few weeks uh, we'll be discussing the godfather which is a, that's right a great christmas classic um, this time of year and so check out that um, and until then we hope that you are well and you're having a wonderful advent season wherever you're so be well, stay safe. We'll see you here next time on Art House Road Show.
0: And that's a wrap. Thank you for joining us on Art House Roadshow. We'll see you next time.